Welcome, friends, to Game Master's Studio, where we talk shop about running tabletop role-playing games. With us today is Jared and Ed, with your host, Jerry. Hello, and welcome to Game Master's Studio, where we discuss tabletop RPGs and tips and tricks that you can use to bring your game at home up to the next level. Today we will be talking about the most concrete option that we can bring in, props. My name is Jerry, a.k.a. Frieden. I'm host and moderator for the show. With me in the studio today is Jared, a.k.a. DMF, proprietor of Mad Doc Designs, creator of the world of Wrath and semi-professional DM, and Ed. So I'm not going to name any names, but someone in the studio may or may not have Messed with some of the dials earlier, so if things sound weird, uh, just uh, putting that out there for when it's edited and why are you guys staring at me like, that's not my, I didn't, I promise it wasn't me. All right, let's move directly. God damn it, Ed! (laughs) Let's move directly into the show where we pretend that Ed never actually said anything and we keep going with today's topic. Hooray! So we are talking props today. Those little fun tips, 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 tricks, and toys that you can use to bring to the table to give your players something that they can actually hold and physically add to the immersion that we talked about last week and to bring them into the game world. So using props, what's your favorite tools of doing it? How can they do it? Mm -hmm. Go. Well, probably the most commonly used props out there would be the minis and figures that you use to represent your characters. I know a lot of people use the the game maps to map out any any scenarios, usually something that's going to revolve around combat, but not always. And, uh, um, you know, sometimes you can substitute those out for, like, just dice as placeholders. But a lot of people really like to use either the plastic or the pewter... uh, figurines to represent their character and some people even go so far as to modify them uh, and change them around. I actually had a friend who uh, chopped a couple of uh, his his pewter figures in half to uh, get me a character who had the the right looking sword and shield uh, so that I could uh, uh, have one of my guys. So yeah, and then there's plenty of, of miniature wargaming that uses yeah. the, uh, I believe it's a 30 millimeter scale. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, things, games like Warhammer, War Machines, and Horde. 28 millimeter for War or Warhammer, okay, God. <laughs> <laughs> so you play some Warhammer, you I've played some Warhammer in the Once past. Once or twice. Okay. <laughs> and the cool thing about them, too, is you can paint them up however you want them to right. look. So you mm-hmm. can really kind of, you Customize know. Customize and use those to exactly. make the characters. You you may want to wait until you've got a campaign that you know you're going to be on for a while. If you know yes. it's going to be two to three weeks and then we're going on to something else, you may not want to put the investment into it. Right. But it is a great way to connect. Yeah. You're looking at the table and looking and saying, that's my guy. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Of course, with minis comes maps. You know, that's pretty much uh, a given for the most part. Yeah. You know, some people will have just a miniature representing their character in games that don't really use maps. Um, just because it, they feel like it's a little like portrait or character, basically. Yeah, it's a token at that point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, and like, it can be used still. me. <laughs> it still can be used to show, you know, relationships between characters. I mean, like, like you're over here, I'm over near you, this guy's over there. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't have exact distances on how far away they are, right. it still might be important to know who's standing near who or similar. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, but, you know, again, typically a lot of people use maps, um, and I'm going to just kind of throw it out there and just get it out of the way. Like, you know, when I say maps, I also mean, like, for those of you who use physical models or dioramas or any kind of representation of the landscape or battlegrounds that these figures will be interacting with or that you're going to be using just as an example to the players so they can get a feel for the layout. So that way you don't have the, you know, anyways, they are kind of one and the same for what I'm going to talk about. But, you know, you got the maps, you know, you can make maps in Photoshop. You can, you know, there's plenty of programs out there to make maps, you know, some more simple than others. Some are free, some cost something. Um, But you can definitely make some battle maps again or get some soda cans and some markers or whatever and do some dioramas, whatever you want to do. But to to physically represent, most commonly used for the battlefields where you're going to have, you know, because that's where you really, like, in my opinion, where maps come into play the most, when at least for interacting with your mini. So that way you can kind of know your spatial awareness for the combat at hand. And I know uh, online I found there's a uh, site, it's Dwarven Forge. They make environments that are scaled to properly work with the miniatures. Oh, nice. Um, it is, it is a significant investment, but they're, they're, from everything I've seen, they're very high quality and it's easy to spend, you know, a few hundred or even a thousand or more yes. to easy. build a three dimensional dungeon to have the miniatures actually moving through. And it can really build onto that ambiance to have not only this little miniature represents my figure, but I can see exactly where the walls are and the props and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, it looks amazing. I really wish I had the opportunity to commit to it. But it's just really great work, worksmanship. Mm. Yeah, oh yeah, it's a great product. I've seen the products. You know, nice reusable stuff. You know, just because you buy it to build X dungeon doesn't mean you can't reshape it to build another dungeon. You know, it's all stuff that you place down. It's all your, modular. You know, exactly, yeah. you know. So you, you put this wall here and this door there and this, you know, hallway here or whatever. Um an amazing product, but again, it's not a small investment. I mean, for, you know, their starter kit is something like, I want to say like around $500 for like a sample of a bunch of different stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, their dungeon packs are, you know, again, like, I'm not going to say it's ridiculously expensive, but I mean, you got to have a couple bucks to invest into it. Um, and I just don't have that kind of money, unfortunately, this time. Until this podcast blows up with all our fans, you know, I just don't see that happening anytime soon. I'm um, not the fans, but the you know the the expenditure. <laughs> but yeah, so again, uh, you know it's it's expensive, but I think it's well worth it if you can afford it, and that's something that you want to get into. Um, yeah. But you know, again, maps are a much cheaper alternative, and you don't have to even build maps; you can steal them online. Right, you have the digital options. Um, we've talked a couple times about virtual tabletops, D20 Pro. I know our game group using it the first session of any campaign often has a little bit of time as people are scouring through Google image search and other websites to find the image that's like, I want this to be my character. And you'll have a great variety of people just find exactly what represents them or as close as they can. And then you have that dynamic look on the table as this is the party of heroes we have assembled. Yeah, digital tokens for the you know the virtual tabletops. Instead of having the the model or the mini you know in front of you, you have a digital token of your character you know based on a picture that you found somewhere. Or if you can draw, or if you can paint, or you have a friend that draws or paints, you know you can get them to you know do something up and then get it scanned. You know, scan it at your house, go to Staples, get it scanned. You know, do whatever you need to do. Um, but yeah, again, maps, you know, same kind of concept. You can steal maps on Google. As long as you're just using them for your game, it doesn't matter where you get the maps from. 
even if you're not using virtual tabletops, you can find maps, you know, and print them out. Yeah, just make sure they're to the right kind of scale, you know what I mean? If you're using minis, you want to make sure that your squares are about one inch. doesn't matter if they're perfect as long as all the squares are, you know, relative to each other. It really doesn't matter. But, you know, about one inch squares, you know, to just kind of stay true to things. And, you know, you can print it out, you know, wherever. If you have a nice printer or whatever, it doesn't matter how you get it printed yeah. out. Or you can draw something. Buy a big piece of grid paper and draw something out. And boom, you got, you know, I know tons of, you know, DMs. I see DMs all over the internet, you know, freaking, uh, oh, I think Matt Mercer draws a bunch of his maps. Chris Perkins has drawn, I've seen him run some stuff on YouTube where he draws out his maps or like, yeah. it doesn't necessarily look super fancy, but it's, yeah. you know, it, it accomplishes what it needs to accomplish, you know, because it's just a visual aid. So you have... You know, again, spatial awareness and, and reference points to where you are in terms of how close the wall is, how far you know, the, you know, how far down the hallway is the next door on the left. Right. You know, what's how big is the dungeon room? How much room do I have between me and the beholder that's about to eat my face? And th- this might be more of a, a kind of a tool that you can use, but if you do use maps a lot, you like to draw them out. One thing that you may want to consider is the the water race battle map. Yep. I know everyone's probably seen one and everyone's probably played on one, but if you haven't, certainly take a look at it. Yep, I have one of those. It's really handy. You can just kind of recreate things, uh, that sort of deal. It's pretty fun to have. But, you know, that's kind of more of a tool that we'd use. I I thought it was really useful with the wetter race. Yeah. I would, when I was doing my planning sessions, which I planned the exact amount for every single game, and that is not enough, I'd sit down and I would draw out the map just so that I could see, okay, how does this actually lay out on the table? And then I copied over to grid paper for my purposes. So that way when I'm at the table for the game, I've got my grid paper and I can make it, okay, three squares down, two squares to the right, another three squares down. And that way I can make the exact same build that I had done in my preparation to make sure that everything was the same. Right. Yeah, and you can, I think Chessex makes some of those. Um, yes, Chessex. Yeah, Chessex. Um, you can also make your own, though. You can, again, just get a big piece of grid paper, go to Staples or your local print shop and get it laminated, and make sure you get some wet erase markers, and you're good to go. I mean, you'll, yep. it might not last as long because it's just lamination, but you'll get, you know, 20, 30 uses out of something, you know what I mean? Right. And boom, you know, have a couple different wet erase marker colors so you can, you know, just kind of mix things up a little bit. Okay, black or solid wood or stone walls. This red over here is a pit. You know, the green is grass. You know, the the blue is water. <laughs> <laughs> the nachos are cool ranch. <laughs> exactly. Right, right. Um, so, miniatures, maps, figurines. Um, another useful one for your recurring NPCs is to print out some sort of portrait. Mm-hmm. Yep. So rather than saying, oh, this is the king, he's old, got a big gray beard, da 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 you can pull up a picture that you like, print that out, this is what the king looks like. Right. And even though we've talked in previous sessions about taking time to describe and really, you know, to do that immersive ambiance, this just gives them a chance to say that here's what he looks like, and everybody sees that, everybody has that same image. Right. Yeah, instant visual recognition. Next time that you know you mention the character, you pull out the you know the 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 portrait again, or you pull out the portrait before you even say the name, and they're like, "Oh, it's King Henry." <laughs> exactly, and that, I mean those are props that you know either GMs or players can use as well. A player can always find the portrait of the character that they want to play. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, or a lot of times some people will default to actors. You know, yep. 
I, th- I think my character kind of looks like this, and then they find an actor, and they're like, you know what? That's what my character kind of looks like. Mm-hmm. Or if you do or, a, more, a little bit more of an in-depth search, maybe some sort of model or something. Yeah. You know? Or maybe that character in a specific, or that actor in a specific uh, role as a character. Right, right. You know, I, he doesn't look like Brad Pitt in Fight Club, but he looks like Brad Pitt in Troy. Exactly. Know? I had a significant NPC in one of my games whose token was William Fitchner. Specifically yeah. because of his role as the banker in The Dark Knight. Right. <laughs> um, which is also useful because wanted poster shows up and there's mm-hmm. the picture. They don't need to have a name on that. The players know, whoa, we are we know this guy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which brings up another prop that you can do. You can do wanted posters. You know, whether it has a picture or not, you can do wanted posters instead of saying, Okay, you're wandering through town and you see, you know, a a bounty, you know, out for this so and so, you see Boom. Wanted dead or alive. You know, maybe there's a picture, maybe there's not. You know, maybe it just is a name and a description of some orc that needs to be taken down. And it gives a little bit of information of why this orc is wanted, what the reward is, where he was last seen. You know what I mean? So you can do you can do kind of props like that. Right. Wanted posters, flyers, notices, job offerings. Yes. Anything that yep. you might see in real life, you know, it obviously... Depends on your the the time pieces and where you kind of place things and how your world exists, but the easiest props in the world are things that can just be a printed sheet of paper, you know, a letter, a, a page just ripped out of a journal, scrolls, scrolls, absolutely, you know, actual physical maps to hand to your players that aren't necessarily just battle maps, but are actually like regional maps or maps that they can use for traveling. Another fun one to spring on your players: search warrants. Just hand cool. it to the nearest player, fold it up. And they open it up, and I say, and the guards push past you as the, or the police push past you headed into the room. Oh, oh, oh no. Right, right. (laughs) I don't know what this is. That's your throat. Oh, okay, now I know. Uh, another one would be like legal documents, like maybe a contract. Like uh, I have one that I'm going to be using in another game that's basically like a contract that everyone that wants to form an adventuring party or like a guild would sign. You know what I mean? So we're the founding members of you know this adventuring guild, and boom, we're all signing this. So then, and it's kind of fun. Like, does it really do anything? Not really. I mean, I could have just said, hey, you get this piece of paper. You all need to sign it. But you can actually write it out. You know, you know, play it kind of cool. You know, okay, you know. Kingdom of Thunder Oak hereby proclaims that all those who signed this, you know, are the founding members of fill in the blank, you know, X, right. you know, Adventuring Guild, blah, 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 by order of the king, uh, King Thunder Oak the eighth, you know, he decrees, blah, 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 you know, maybe there's going to be some wages or levies that are put against the guild that's in there, some legalese, maybe actually insert some fine print, you know, that they might not notice, like, okay, you know, uh, for those of you who aren't reading the fine print, you're going to owe 50% of all earnings to the king, blah, 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 Or you may be contracted to work pro bono in the event that the king decides that there's an emergency case to activate the clause. Right, exactly, you know, uh, you know, whoever, you know, all those who sign this are not only equal members of the guild, but are also conscript, uh, conscripted to be an unofficial part of the king's army and can be, you know, uh, recruited at any point in time. You know what I mean? You can throw some fun stuff in there. Maybe it's straight up. Maybe it's more subtle. But again, it's just a fun piece of paper that everyone in the group can sign as their character. You know what I mean? Maybe they make a weird mark because they're an illiterate barbarian dwarf. 
So they make like a little instead of an X, they make like a little hammer. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? But you know, just something fun, and then it's something you can you know again depending on if or always depending on your scenario. But like you know, we have like a little game room area where we can put things up on the wall. Boom, you put it up on the wall, or maybe you just have like a bulletin board where you kind of keep these kind of props off to the side. That's actually another prop uh, that you bring up is uh, something that uh, Jared here does for his Wrath games, the uh, graveyard. Yes, the graveyard of wrath. It's uh, it's more of a thing just to kind of post the the names or whatnot of the characters that might die in the adventures. It's like it's, a memorial. It's like a memorial. It's kind of kind of shows you where the story has been so far. Well, as, as we've as we've gone through wrath, as it's been built, unfortunately, because we've had to change playing locations, not everything transfers immediately. But props that have been in the game get hung up around the area to kind of build that environment ambiance, yeah. which the graveyard is the most prominent one because we always like to point it out to people. But we also have maps. We have notices. There are illustrations of things. There's a commissioned uh, piece of artwork that he had from a... that he actually commissioned from an artist to play a major role in an adventure. Hmm. Um, I don't know if that's in a box somewhere, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have it on my computer. I'll show it to you sometime, Ed, if you haven't seen it. Cool. But yeah, we have... You know, all these environments. And that lets us sit down at the table and look around and like, oh, hey, remember when we had to go collect the key to heaven? And that's the picture of the key to heaven. And over there, oh, yeah, that's that's the barkeeper at the first town that we were at. She wound up marrying Derek's character and they had a family and went off. And mm-hmm. you know, we can point out like different stuff from our history, from those props that have been passed out and then saved to be mementos of our adventure. Yeah, it basically you uh, you turn your walls into giant scrapbooks of previous right, right. adventures. Like you know, you just look around the room and you're like, oh, I remember when we had to fight the giant zombie minotaur. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> now you yeah. also can use these not only just to build environments, but also it's we've had some cases where we've used them to pass on information. Mm-hmm. Uh, journals, logs, books. If you actually take the time to write them out, pass them on to the characters, you don't have to spend five minutes saying what's in the journal. It's just, here, here's the three pages that you find that are still legible. Yep, right. In Contagion, I wrote out six pages of a journal. Uh, I gave it to them out of order, specifically, because it was kind of like this was part of the murder mystery kind of thing. So it was, yeah, right. it was kind of clues that they were handed. So I wrote out, I mean, there were, weren't full-length pages. Honestly, it was like a page and a half of writing, but I broke it up into quarter-page sections. Right. So they're getting these little quarter pages that were the equivalent, supposed to be the equivalent of like one page of journal entry. And it was supposed to be just a per- someone's personal diaries. Right, right exactly. And I, you know, and I had little marks on the back, so I knew what the order was, you know what I mean? Because I didn't want to lose track. But um, Which was hilarious, because... Because as players, we were working to figure it out. And it's like, well, let's see. In this one, they're talking about the possibility of a child. And in this one, they're talking about first meeting somebody that they're falling in love with. So this one comes before this one. And right. No one ever looked at the back to see that there was tiny little numbers written in the corners to see what the order was. They were legitimately trying to figure out the order of the, to the journal. Nice, nice. To see the, chrono- you know, the chronological order to how it reads correctly once they had all the pages. Which also added to the ambiance of everything. Because there was six pages most of the party only ever saw five. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. One of the pages was found by someone who was a, a member of the town guard and may have incriminated a high-ranking official, so he didn't share it with the rest of the party. Oh. Which is one of those things that's like, come on, man, you've got to trust the other people. But on the other hand, I've said it before, I love the idea of different players having different amounts of knowledge. 
and right, right. keeping secrets from each other occasionally mm-hmm. for the purposes of heightening the game. And that really kind of built it in. Yeah, and that was a player choice. Like, I had nothing to do with that. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, you know, again, just so, uh, then just a little example of how you can use props. Not only was that a cool prop, but that was an important clue piece for that particular part of that adventure, for that mm-hmm. murder mystery part of that adventure. Um, so, you know, it really played a big role. Again, you know, they didn't get all the pieces at once. They got them, you know, one page at a time. They got them out of order. That was a large group. I think we had an average of seven to eight players. So it would like that group would break up uh, ones in common or ones in uncommon for me to break them into two different groups. So one group might find one page, another group might find the other page, and it's up to them to share that information. Yeah, uh, which you know we kind of just mentioned you know, a, a few an episode or two ago. Um, so yeah, again, journal pages, stuff, anything that you can just print off is easy. You know, like I've done wanted posters, I've done the journal entries, I've done all kinds of stuff. Scrolls, scrolls again. Yep. Uh, great. Great, great use. You know, you grab a little, you roll up the scroll, you grab a little piece of twine, tie it off, boom, hey, scroll. You know, you can always age the paper too, which I've done on several occasions. I did with the journal pages. Yep. You know, burn, splash, the you know, burn the edges, splash a little coffee or tea on it, depending on how you know pigmented you might want it. Throw in the oven to let it dry or just let it sit out for a little bit. Again, depending on what kind of feel you go for. Throw in the oven, it might get a little bit more crispy. Set it at 200 degrees, no more than 15 minutes. <laughs> uh, and actually, I believe at least one of those journals actually had a little blood stain on it. Yep. Because we found them at the sites of murder. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I specifically put blood stain on, I think, two of the six pages had blood stains on it. So, you know, it had been either on a dead body or touched by the murderer, in theory, was, you know, the whole uh, spiel. Uh, so, yeah, you know, again, strategic fake blood, uh, you know, wearing and tearing, you know, specifically tearing pieces of paper, specifically burning off or tearing away pieces of paper from what you might be giving. Again, if it's like a treasure map, make sure the treasure part's like burned off or maybe it's torn off so it's a separate little piece. Stuff like that can cause, you know, some nice intrigue and create, you know, a separate little prop that they have to find yet another little piece that goes with this map. Um, there's lots of other props that you can kind of use too. Um, Jerry was just, you know, telling Ed before we started recording about how I bought a 3d puzzle of a crystal skull. You know, I used this to represent an actual crystal skull that was going to be used in the game, you know, without going into all the details, but the party found this skull made out of quartz crystal and, uh, Eventually, several sessions later, it got broke. It was shattered into about 50-ish pieces, which conveniently, this 3D puzzle broke into about 50 pieces. So now, um, for reasons because of the game, again, we're not going to bog you down with the, you know, the, you know, all the details, but they have to reassemble all these pieces, but they've been scattered about. So they're trying to find all this, you know, the, the, the pieces of this crystal skull. So it's a puzzle to be solved by the characters, which is actually a physical puzzle that the players are going to have to eventually solve. Exactly. So not only do they have to get all the pieces by playing through the game, but eventually they're going to have all pieces in a pile in front of them and have to put it together. And trust me, it's not an easy task. (laughs) (laughs) Well, again, we won't go into all the details on that. It's a little bit embarrassing for myself. But yeah, putting it together is a pain in the butt. I mean, that might be almost something where it's like, okay, today's session is... Putting together this skull. Good luck, everybody. <laughs> so we've talked about props, and last time we talked about ambiance, and that kind of leads me to thinking about something else that players might do to bring themselves into character, and that could be making costumes yeah, and bringing some personal props. Yep. Um, I, I know I have had a couple of players who at least like had some sort of like elven-looking cloak. 
I had a player who made himself a chain shirt. Yeah. Just because his character wore one. Mm-hmm. Huh. Um, yeah, I mean, I think he was probably going to do it anyway, but no, he thought I was gonna say, that, that was, was quite the right. time investment. Chain shirts are not a, no. a, a, a quick make. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what do you guys think about those sorts of things? I think it's awesome. I mean, the, anything you can do to get yourself immersed is one less thing that I have to do to get you immersed. I mean, I'll still do all the same things, but in theory, you should be immersed quicker because you're mm-hmm. helping you know, with the immersion process. Um, I mean, for anyone that ever watches stuff on YouTube for other people playing like Acquisitions Incorporated, those guys usually show up in costume. Even if it's something as simple as you said, like a cape, like the guy that yeah. plays the wizard, he has like a purple cape that he wears and has like a wand, which is like, a, I think a chopstick in his pocket. You know what I mean? <laughs> pulls out the, the wand, which yeah, I cast magic missile. You know what I mean? But that's all it takes. You know what I mean? You throw in a cape, you, you walk around with a wand and boom, I'm a fucking wizard. <laughs> Kablam. I don't even be aware, you know, there are replica weapons available. If you use them, use them responsibly. Be safe. Don't yeah. go swinging at other players. Don't poke um, people in the eye with your uh, with your right. wand and say, I cast magic, mis- I cast magic eye. I cast blind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, always be responsible. I, mean, I always assume that we're talking to, you know, either adults or, you know, uh, older or people under the supervision you know, of adults. Yeah, people under the supervision of adults. You know, young adults even. You know, I'll be nice and, and give you some of you teenagers the young adult bracket. We're still implying adulthood responsibility. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, be if, responsible. Yeah, there's tons of replicas out there. If you're playing in a public place, that might be one to tone it down. Yeah. Don't be trying to... I'm bringing my dwarven battle axe to school because we're playing D&D in the library. Yeah. yeah maybe know the not. rules of the location where you're playing, you know. <laughs> And for the love of God, don't bring any real weapons into any public situation. Uh, I don't care if it's a switchblade or what. Just no. No. Uh, but yeah. Um, we've had some some other interesting experiences with props. Uh, a strange one that's come up is food and drink. Hmm. Because obviously players are feasting they're, or they're out on the road, you know, running... You know, living on iron rations and such. Uh, I've had a couple of different experiences. I had a GM that had some trail mix just for when we're out on the road, you know, as iron rations, in addition to being a snack for the game. Right. Um, we had a priest involved in a temple of, of which, among other things, it was a goddess of pastries. And when the players walked in, they were greeted with a priest who had a tray of small cupcakes and the GM pulled out a tray of cupcakes to offer <laughs> them around. It was also Valentine's Day. Yeah. <laughs> I um, felt like I had to have cupcakes. <laughs> um, I've had one where it was a uh, at a feast. Was, they used grape juice and they had some plastic skull goblets to pour the wine and pass around, you know, to have a toast. Right, right. You know, have some, some immersion ambiance. You do have to be aware of players potential allergies and also whether or not, you know, like, no, dude, like, my character would totally have one, but, like, I can't eat that, I'm on a diet for whatever, or I'm allergic, or... Yeah, I mean, if it comes to allergies and stuff, just don't force your players to eat or drink anything. Like, okay, well, I I assumed that you're in-game, you guys, you're out of game, you would, because in-game you would, but I'm like, you obviously don't have to eat the cupcake to actually pass through the thing. You just say your character is going to eat the cupcake to pass through the door. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm not going to force you to eat something that's going to cause you to and go the into shock. And the character wasn't forced to eat the cupcake either. It was just, hey, we're going to greet you, and here, you want a cupcake? Yeah. We're being hospi- hospitable. Mm-hmm. Um, 
other, yeah, food and drink is a big one, but it's also one of those like very kind of quirky ones. Like I don't see tons of situations where it could be used, but I mean, that's the, the same can be true, you know, can be said for most props, I suppose. Um, another one that you can use that I've used a little bit in the past, I still have kicking around. I haven't used as much as I planned, but like treasure, you know, you know, actually having props to represent treasure. I mean, I actually have, I went out and bought a bunch of fake pirate, uh, birthday gold coins, you know, to represent gold, you know, the actual gold pieces in my world, you know, uh, there's actually a company out there that I don't remember the name of off the top of my head that makes custom fantasy-based uh, currency. They have copper pieces, silver pieces, and gold pieces in different increments amount that are printed right on it, and they look freaking awesome. And if I had the money, that would be one of the props that I, I would invest in, and I can't believe I can't think of the company. Well, we're going to have to make you find that link. I'll find it. it and post it on Facebook we, and we've, stuff. We've done that in the past when stuff has come up. So, yeah. Hooray the internet. Because I, I, I'm also curious to, to see what it was. Like, yeah. Some of the other stuff, like I've known what he was talking about. This one I'm not familiar with. Uh, yeah, I've done a lot. You know, it's again, it's not cheap, but not super expensive either. You know, nowhere near the Dwarven Forge, you know, level of uh, investment. But uh, anyways, you know, because it all depends on the size of your group and how much money you're going to need too. Uh, another thing is, like, gems. You know, it's easy enough to go and find, like, some plastic, you know, gem-looking things. You know, whether it's, like, birthday kind of toy, like, grab bag stuff or or nicer stuff. But, again, a lot of the companies that do, like, replica, uh, replica kind of weapons also do, like, replica gems and stuff. Um, you know, so that's one thing. I personally bought, like, marbles. I got, like, some translucent red marbles and some black marbles to represent, like, onyx and blood gems, which are a specific kind of gem in my world. Yeah. To, to give those out. And then also on the treasure thing, not just pure currency, but again, back to scrolls. You know, oh, you know how like sometimes you find a wizard scroll in a chest? Hand them a wizard scroll. Or even better, make them kind of choose their own fate. We're like, okay, here's a, like, I actually have like 50 scrolls printed up. And what you can do is print up a whole bunch of just pieces, regular pieces of paper with just the name and the level, and if it matters, like, whether it's a cleric or wizard version of the spell for the, you know, the scroll or whatever, maybe even print the value on it if you want, but just print it just across. It doesn't have to be a whole page of information, just the name of the spell and what level it was cast at on the scroll. Roll it up, grab some colored twine, tie it up, throw it in a bag, and then, like, all right, you find a scroll. Here, stick your hand in the bag and grab the, you know, grab a scroll. You know, like, and literally, like, just make it completely random, you know. You can separate the scrolls by, you know, like, level if you want to, however you want, or you can specifically hand them out, but boom, they pull out this scroll, they're like, oh, man, I got a magic missile cast at a ninth level. Or, you know, as a ninth level spell. Cool. Awesome. Boom. Hmm. I have that in my, I have that in my hand. Same thing with potions. You can do, like, little fake potions. They're going to take up even more space, so I hope you have storage for these kind of props. But, uh, you can take, like, a cheap way to, is, like, tequila, like, I'm not tequila, but, um... Well, little alcohol bottles work, yeah, but I was going to say, um, uh, to, like, little bottles of Tabasco sauce, you know, but, you know, just little bottles, you know, little alcohol, uh, you know, um, mini shots, shots, uh, t- um, Tabasco sauce, you know, like any of those little bottles, you can actually buy little bottles, at, um, you know, in different locations and different stores, and then just fill them up with a little bit of water and a little bit of food coloring. Okay, this one's green, this one's like, okay, maybe these red ones are healing potions, and the green ones are poison or acid or... Or you can just make it up on the fly. Okay, yellow is a 
potion of rejuvenation. And, you know, yep. you can have specific colors that mean specific things, or it can be random and you can make it up every time. Like, here's a green one that you might think is poison, but for this particular one that I'm handing you, it's a potion of enlarge. Yeah. You know, whatever you want it to be. Just make sure that you're keeping notes on it or label it. Put a label right on the bottle so it doesn't matter what color it is. You just, you know what it is. Um, but the nice thing about handing off a scroll or a a potion bottle is, in theory, it's generic. They don't, the player doesn't know what it is. I mean, they, obviously they know it's a potion. Obviously they know it's a scroll, just like their character would. But until they do detect magic or whatever it is to identify it, they don't know until you tell them. Right. You know, it's not like... Here's a po, you know, like I'm gonna hand you, you know, like here's this, you know, whatever. And I, th- and I think that handing those props over to the players, their interactions with them will help build on the characters. Whether it's the wizard who carefully stacks and sets his scrolls and lines up his potions, or the rogue who flips the coin over and over just to occupy his hands, mm-hmm. uh, or or the barbarian who hoards his coins and counts them and recounts them and recounts them. Um, just to make sure that nobody's taking what's his. Yeah, I mean, if you're handing out actual treasure for, you know, actual props for treasure, then, I mean, you're, you you know your situation. You might be one in an area where your players have, like, some storage space that they can leave stuff behind, so it's always there. Every time they show up, they don't forget it. Or maybe the players are okay with transporting a backpack full of props to and fro. <laughs> um, but... I mean, I think that another nice thing about having that is, one, when it comes to the money, is you know that people are going to be accurate. They're not going to be accidentally misreading their sheet. They're not going to be fudging things. Like, you pay 23 gold to buy this item, hand me 23 gold. You find 50 gold, I hand you back 50 gold. You know, you're actually exchanging currency. It becomes part of the game, part of the role-playing, and the money that's written on that that person's sheet, if it's even written down, is 100% accurate. Same with potions and scrolls. I'm not worried about them overusing it so much as underusing it. Like, sometimes you hand off potions and scrolls, and five sessions later, like, dude, you could have used that healing potion. Dude, I forgot I freaking had a healing potion. Are you are you kidding? I had a session where the, the PCs were gearing up, and I s- said, hey, make an intelligence check. Oh, you succeeded the intelligence check. Remember, you picked up these potions, like... Six sessions ago that you never yeah. touched, like right. We need to use those in these battle in this coming battle. Battle came, and they forgot all about them. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, <laughs> it, I think the scrolls and potions even. Reminder. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's there. It's sitting in front of them, just like the character would have it jingling around in their bag. It's just it's a physical token. It's a physical reminder. It's there in their face. They won't forget. Right. All right, so we are going to wrap it up for this week. That was our discussion on props. They're a wonderful tool if you can put the time to invest into them and use them right. They can help build that ambiance and help bring your people into the game a little bit more and help them connect with what's going on. Um, if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, definitely feel free to get in touch with us. We're on Facebook. You can like, comment, and subscribe. We are available on Twitter, GMS Studios, and we have message boards available GameMasterStudio.ProBoards.com We have new episodes coming up every Tuesday. We still have a long list of ideas to get through, and we'd love to have suggestions for what you'd like to hear coming up or any ideas you might have. We will be here next Tuesday with more information as we move on through our existing list, and we will see you the next time we're here in the studio. Peace.